Now is the time to submit quietly. We control all you hear and feel. You are about to enter a great adventure and experience the awe and mystery. From your ultimate fantasies to your deepest fears, from which you may never return. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Did you hit No, I mean, I can add, and we're recording. Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of Strutting from Gorilla. It's a special Black Friday edition. Uh, just to remind everyone, uh, we're recording every other week now. And you're probably wondering whose voice this is. This is Mango. I'll be taking over the host chair and we're demoting Vito to uh, B-level celebrity. Okay. All right. Um, I'd like to mention our sponsor today. We have a special sponsor. Uh, it's called Tie-Dye by Abby. This Christmas, what better way to say I love you to family and friends than shopping local and getting them some tie-dye apparel from Tie-Dye by Abby. All apparel is handcrafted. Shop local this year and visit their Instagram page at Tie-Dye by Abby for more info. Thank you very much. And just to remind you guys, our Twitter handle from underscore gorilla. And we also have a new TikTok. So we are the bad boys of TikTok. We've already been taken off for 24 hours because Vito posted something that was graphic. Okay. All right. Now, we're going to get started here. Uh, who wants to open it up? Mikey Cash? I will open it up. And uh, just a quick aside, do you think Tie-Dye Abby would make us some Dude Love shirts? Uh, she absolutely will. Uh, I will talk with her. She makes some fantastic tie-dye shirts. She's been doing it for a while now. So I think the Dude Love ones is a good one. I am actually was going to make a Dude Love one for uh, my dogs, but uh, that's on her list. She's got to get the dog stuff first. So I'll ask her. Good call, though. Cool. Thanks. All right, so let me open it up. Uh, so my my little opener here, my two cents, if you will, to open this show is actually going to be a match recommendation. Uh, it is from the November 18th edition of Dynamite uh, for AEW, and it was Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb for the, the NWA Women's Championship. It was a rematch from a previous uh, one of their previous matches. I thought it was really great, I think, there's there's really good ring psychology in that match, and it shows that these women know how to work. And it's one kind of glaring issue within AEW has been their women's division and how some people are kind of green and inexperienced. These two know exactly what they're doing, and you can tell, and you, it, they get you invested. Um, there was no focus on just, like, flipping and diving just for the sake of, like, doing it so that people can get, like, a fan reaction. It's kind of, like, loses its meaning. But everything they did had a purpose to it. Everything made sense in the context of what a wrestling match is. The objective there is not to flip around, but the objective is to win. And so I really liked this match. I know I'm a little bit more conservative, I think, when it comes to my style that I enjoy now. But I really hope we see more of this in the AEW women's division. So that's my that's my opening two cents. Thanks for the recommendation. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out. And I forgot. Uh, I forgot to tell you guys. Thunder Rose is pretty good looking. Is she? She is, right? Oh, hot. Want to touch the honey. So that right there. She's going to kick your ass. So leader of men, what do you think? All right, boys. Um, So it is when we're wrestling. uh, Yeah, wrestling. When we're recording this wrestling show, uh, it just so happens to be uh, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, which is also Native American Heritage Day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and true to Native American Heritage Day, I want to bring up my favorite wrestling Native American, Tatanka. So, 1993 Survivor Series, it was Lex Luger, the Steiner Brothers, and Undertaker versus the Foreign Fanatics, which was Yokozuna, Crush, uh, the Mounties, and somebody else. Regardless, on the cover of it, there's a photo of Tatanka, Lex Luger, and the Steiner Brothers with Tatanka getting ready to stab down and cut the bird and the bird just so happens to be yokozuna all well and good except it's the undertaker so controversy because if you look at the coliseum video cover art it's actually the undertaker doing the exact same motion i just wanted to bring that to your attention because it's one of those little hidden nuggets that you only find here on starting from gorilla i also want to point out on that picture uh bobby that um Tatanka is usually not on a cover photo, but because it's Thanksgiving, he got the promotion there, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's very like um, you know they t- you know the the Redskins are now the Washington Football Team, so it's not li- it's not really PC. But uh, what better way if you have a Native American character that gets to, to put him on there, even though he's like the uh, the undercard in every show and every episode. Can you just imagine like the creative meeting behind figuring out who was going to be on the cover of this thing? And he's like, oh, well, pal, uh, it's Thanksgiving, so uh, we're going to need some Indians here and uh, Tatanka. That'll work. That'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good shit. Have him on there. Yokozuna. I'm surprised they didn't have like a uh, like make a pilgrim character or something for that day. Just oh. have, like a real shitty pilgrim character or something. Oh, just give it some time. It's coming. And it would have been played by Kane, probably, because he has the world's worst gimmicks before uh, before Kane. <laughs> Isaac Yankum, DDS. Oh, God. The funniest uh, part is, uh, it, Tatanka in real life, he's actually not Native American, right? He's Spanish, no. I think? No, he's not Native And American. Yokozuna is not Japanese. He's, uh, well, it's just Samoan. Crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Vito, what, did you get anything for the yeah. opening? Yeah. So, a uh, couple things. Um got to tell you uh, i've already shared some some treasures with you earlier before the episode started but uh went through some digging here on thanksgiving uh and found all of my wwe magazines and man was it a treasure mine i literally probably have magazines from 96 to 2002 there's like world of wrestling magazines there's collectible editions uh it got me fired up so uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Maybe as we go through in the next couple episodes, I'll I'll pull some pieces out of it as I can. Um, but it's pretty cool because I'm actually watching the the 97 Raws as we speak. And uh, you get to see a little bit of it connecting with the, the magazines that I have. So it's pretty good. Also, as a loser... I have a binder that I put pictures in. Don't really know what that is, but um, we'll we'll see what it pans out to be as I look look through it uh, a little bit more. Um, also, very excited about the new format. I tend to have a lot to say here on the show, so I'm glad we can break it up a little bit and um, you know put the the rightful host back at the the front and center here with Big Mango at the helm. So, looking forward to it, guys. Awesome, Vito. Thanks. Good stuff. Uh, so the meat and potatoes this week, we've got a couple of topics to talk about. Uh, we have uh, best commi- best and worst commissioners and authority figures, as well as our nice little role play segment here. And our review of Survivor Series. We have a lot going on. And the Undertaker farewell. We're going to give you our thoughts. Uh, 
Vito, why don't you lead us off with your best and worst com- uh, commissioners? Yeah, you got it. So I thought this was a pretty cool topic because we've talked a lot of, about a lot of things here. And um, this one is pretty interesting. Uh, WWE and really wrestling in general likes to do this authority figure um, angle all the time. And they've brought in a lot of different people. You know, they brought in some surprise people like Eric Bischoff. They had Commissioner Foley. At one point, Shawn Michaels was the uh, commissioner. John Laronitis. I mean, you name it. There's been a ton. You know, Eric Bischoff. Um, so, I mean, it's difficult to pick a best and worst, like straightforward, uh, but I'm going to give you, give you a couple here and just my thoughts on them. Uh, you guys can, can talk about yours or give me some comments too. But one of my favorites, um, is Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, I don't know why, but he fits the bill pretty perfectly, uh, being a military, um, background wrestler. Uh, but he was feuding with DX and I thought it was a great feud and they would make fun of his big chin and him spitting at uh, the the wrestlers. They had the windshields with the wipers on them at one point. And I just thought it was a good gimmick. I don't know if he made the, 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 the feud great or if it was, um, you know, DX because they were making fun of him so much, but uh, it was good. I always liked him as the commissioner. I thought he was great. I liked him as a wrestler too, because he was growing up in that, era with Hogan and everything. He was always like a main eventer with them. Um, so I always liked him, thought he was good. Uh, one of my favorites is commissioner Foley. I liked him for a little bit different reason. Um, he had retired and he was always a fan favorite. So he made these matches that seemed to be pretty great. Uh, every time you turn on raw, he'd started off and, and make this great match on raw that easily could have been a main event at WrestleMania. And honestly, it would be a main event at WrestleMania today. If, if any of those matches happen. So, uh, Foley was a good one. Uh, I think that's really where the have a nice day. I know, I mean, I know it kind of morphed as we went through, but he had the, the cheap pops, the hard knocks and cheap pops. And he would, he would always do the cheap pop of, you know, mentioning the, the city's name and all of a sudden the crowd goes wild. Right. So real cheap pop. Um, and then my last one, and I know you guys hate this dude, but Eric Bischoff. Okay. Bischoff. I, I get the, the our feelings behind we've talked about him a ton but when he came over to raw to wwe from uh wcw that was a day as a huge wrestling fan at the time that i never thought would happen so when he came over and he hugged vince that's like an iconic moment and then he came in and i thought he did a pretty good job as commissioner meaning he came up with the elimination chamber match he had the the wheel of matches where he would spin it i forget what they called the exact name but you would spin it uh and i thought that that was pretty cool i know i'm probably missing some stuff but uh, i believe that was uh spin the wheel make the deal yeah that was it yeah yep. from yep. from like their vegas shows they yep. would always do that yeah. And the Halloween Havocs, mm-hmm. which, as you know, were always some of my favorites. Yeah. No. And I, so I thought it was good. I mean, I thought that was a perfect role for him. You know, if we could have kept him in that role forever, it probably would have been great. Um, and then are we going to do the I only have one worst commissioner. I just really hated. Um, so I'm just going to say it. Uh, and it was John Laronitis hated him. And I don't know if it was his voice or what it was, but that guy sucked, dude. Well, I literally. Why do, you, why do you hate people power? How do you hate people power? Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. And he would drive down on a scooter with his thumb up. I just, I hated it. I I feel like he sounded like he was chain smoking a fucking hundred cigarettes a day. So anyways, those are mine. Uh, You can, I don't know who's next, but uh, feel free. 
let me know let me know your thoughts on some or what you guys have so i i, I think i'm gonna be the debbie downer here because i fucking hate all the authority figures i just never liked it i just like it's why a problem with authority. Authority. it doesn't make any sense the sergeant slaughter stuff was funny i'll admit that but like i liked foley I just don't like I just don't like these roles. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go boring here and say I really like Jack Tunney. And the reason I like Jack Tunney is because he was rarely seen or heard from. He was what what did he stripped Shawn Michaels of the Intercontinental title when he didn't defend it over 30 days. And that was that was it. That's all he did. <laughs> he did that once. And and I liked him because I don't know if anybody, if any of our listeners watch Arrested Development, a Milford man. You can always tell a Milford man because they're neither seen or heard. And that's why I like Jack Tunney, because I didn't have to see him or really hear from him. And it was perfect. And uh, it actually makes me think about Tony Khan now in AEW. Like, you don't really, you kind of hear him in, like, little press conferences, like, after. But he's not, like, in character. He's not, like, an on-air personality. But they'll just sort of mention, hey, Tony Khan made this match. I kind of like it that way. Like, we don't really need to have this kind of, like, thing play out. Like, it kind of distracts from the product. So I kind of, I like Jack Tunney. I like Tony Khan. Well, what at least whatever they're doing with him right now. And I agree Mike, with you, you know, I hate Eric Bischoff. Mike, did, uh, yeah, Bischoff is the worst. Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> did Jack Tunney have an actual role in WWE other than that? Was he like an actual? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking through my, uh, my official WWF book from 1992, and I don't see anything in here from him. I'll be honest. I don't remember him whatsoever. So Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't remember <laughs> him, really? Wow, I, he was Him really the good. Raw GM. Jack Tony was really good about just making appearances and yelling at the talent, mm-hmm. and then fading back into the dark. Yeah. It was as if like that that little bit. It was that parent you didn't want to piss off or disappoint, and that was still well. Um, he was basically Vince's uh, Vince's minion because Vince was still doing all of the um, commentating and stuff like that. So. They needed to have somebody to to bitch at the talent for. So there you go, Jack Tony. Bobby, they're all still his minions. That hasn't changed. Well, I, I you know what? And and that's fair. And uh He might and, have been one of the first. And that's actually one of the reasons why I have Mr. McMahon as one of my best authoritative figures. He's the ultimate authority figure. He is the WWE, right? Everybody loves to hate him. Um, GM, commissioner, owner, chairman, whatever you want to call him. He's on my Mount Rushmore, for Christ's sakes, guys. God, and I'm going to keep him guy. in there. Huh? You love this guy. But without without the ringleader, you have no circus. This man puts it all in place. You know, you may hate what he's doing now because to all of our points, he's been out of touch. But in its golden years, it was money in the bank. And it always was. And, guys, if you do recall, he was one of the very first to use a very iconic phrase. Way before everybody else was getting canceled or fired. Or, you know, somebody else on The Apprentice was telling all the people they were fired. He was that guy. So, I always enjoyed him. He's a dick. He's supposed to be a dick. He's the boss. He's the guy you want to hate. And that's why, from an authoritative figure, plays it out perfectly. 
He also went from like this nice commentator to um, like you saw the slow process of him turning into like this dictator type character who needed to tell you what to do. And it was Mm -hmm. pretty awesome. And then he slowly faded off the scenes and now he's like a real life dickhead sometimes. Like in our minds, he's a real life (laughs) eel just because of how bad he's flip this whole thing around on on, on wwe um but uh yeah i i would agree with you bobby plus it, it, when it's all said and done our podcast is really named after him so yeah you Good know point. it's true it's very true to quote mr kurt angle but i'm gonna jump on the love to hate uh bandwagon a little bit further um not for anything or any other reason but miss guerrero vicky fucking guerrero Excuse and if me? I have the exactly, she was just absolute doo doo. So we were talking about how every how every circus needs a uh, needs a ringleader. Have you ever seen Bozo be a ringleader? No, she's a fucking clown. Those are my words. They may be harsh. I just never enjoyed her. I they, would agree. I hated her too. Wow, you guys are harsh. But, That's a those uh, are real. <laughs> those are rough words, Bobby. But I believe uh, Matthew in a couple of episodes before um, and loved loved her uh, her breasts. I believe I believe those came up. I had to, <laughs> I have to mute the TV every time I hear her. But Matt was enjoying it and uh, you know flipped his sunglasses up. I love to look at the boobs. Uh, so yeah, I I really like your take on Vince. I wanted to just tell you mm-hmm. I loved how he morphed from the ring announcer guy, or not the ring the play by play guy. And we never even knew he was the the owner as a kid. We had no idea who, you know, we really thought Jack Tunney was in charge. Except for Vito, he never heard of him. Um, <laughs> so that was a really cool morph. And then whenever the Bret, uh, the Bret Hart thing went down, he really just stepped in front of the stepped in front of the bus there. So we actually great great segment there, guys. Uh, we have a cool new segment. If we move along here a little, uh, it's a role play segment where one of us will play a wrestler. And we will kind of, this is um, Vito's kind of brainchild. If you want to kind of explain this one, Vito. Yeah, I will. So uh, we'll give it a shot here. We only have three questions. Um, So Mango, you can ask the questions. I'll take the first one. Mike, you take the second one and I'll take the third one. How's that? Boom. Sounds good. Done. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Vito, you are Seth Rollins and uh, your baby is about to be born. How will this affect your position in WWE? Do you think time off? will help your position in the company, i.e. the Roman Reigns effect? That's a great question. Uh, as the Monday Night Messiah here, I, uh, I I don't think much is going to affect my role within the company, but uh, my, my, uh, my characters are getting kind of stale, and I feel like I am losing ground on being one of the top guys in WWF or WWE, you know? Um, I think that uh, hopefully giving me, myself a little time off you know, hanging with, with, with the man, Becky Lynch and, and, uh, coming back, you know, I don't know if I should be playing a heel or I should be playing a baby face. Cause right now I'm mediocre at both. Ooh, harsh words for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just Go ahead. Playing it into Rollins, huh? You I know, mean, it's you know, true though. You know he left, right? You know, he, after Survivor Series, he was, he's gone. Yeah, I know. He is. I know. Yeah. He has taken oh. time off because of the baby. Right. And that was my point. That's that. That's it. Like, I just feel like the guy is they try to put him over and I don't know. Yeah. Like an enigma to me. I just I feel like he should be so better than he is. And there are times where he's a good baby face and then he just it 
it, it gets old and then he's a, a heel and it's like he overdoes it. It's like he's over trying on everything and he's just not, it does not, it doesn't feel natural to me sometimes. I don't know. That's just, do you, me. Do you think that there's like a lot of people in his ear? Because I, it, it wouldn't surprise oh, me if, if the reason it feels so like forced when he does it is because there's so many different opinions in his ear that he like has to act out when he's on, when he's on TV. I don't know. You know, the thing is, it, it we talk about this all the time and I don't want to beat this to death, but nothing they're doing is organic. Like what made WWE great bet in the, in the past was the organicness of the people they brought to the top. And it felt real. It felt good. It felt natural. And some, now they're just like, they're trying to force feed you these things. And he's one of the guys that I feel is not, benefiting from it like look at john moxley when he was dean ambrose here he got a decent push but it still didn't feel right but now he's over in aew and it's like a whole 180 like he is perfect for that role and he could have done that in wwe but it's just like they script everything and some people just shouldn't be scripted what they're doing and like i I was watching the undertaker documentary and this is a perfect example Austin was interviewing Undertaker and there at right at the beginning he said, you know, hey, I know you're you've been the Undertaker not a in in kayfabe the whole time. He goes, but you know, one question I get asked all the time is, you know, what's the what what's the real Stone Cold Steve Austin like? And he goes, it's the same thing, just dialed up a notch, you know? Mm-hmm. And like that's what you need. Like that's yeah. what you need. And like the fiend, the reason the fiend feels so good is because it's what he wanted to do. You know, and he's right. passionate. Right. About it. He's good. But anyways, that was my, that was a long take on all that. But well, let me, you, oh, good, Mango. I was, I was just going to ask you guys who, who really, what, you know, like uh, the fiend is the fiend. He's crazy. He, uh, you know, Moxley going to, to AEW becomes more of himself, like you said. Who really is Seth Rollins? Like, do we even know what his personality is like? We don't, he had the architect thing where he was the architect of the shield, but they didn't play him off as like a really smart dude. He's just like some guy. He's the architect. Then the Kingslayer. Then he and he had the knee problem. But who is Seth Rollins really? If you were to give him a gimmick or tell him to be anything, what would you tell him to be? Uh, I would make him have a manager and and have him do less talking and also you know so he can focus on his in ring work because his in ring work is pretty good. But I just think his characters get so stale because it's it gets stupid. You know, I think he could be a really good heel with the manager. I don't know who the manager, the right manager would be. Um, and I mean, you could throw Paul Heyman, but everyone wants Paul Heyman. I just, I think it should be someone new, right. you know, bring up a new manager, someone who, you know, could, could really help him in that regards and take less off of his speaking. And not that he's really bad on the mic. It just, it's, it doesn't help him. And, and this is, comes back to something that, that we've all brought up. And I know Bobby brought this up last time. It's the less is more. Where even if he didn't have a manager, if you just shorten these promos, and this goes beyond Rollins, it goes to everybody. But if you could just shorten it just like a little bit, you could just take like 10 fucking minutes off of a promo and it'll be fine. Like they have all this, they have this huge show, they have three hours on Raw, and they try to fill that with like 25 minutes of promo. And it just doesn't, it doesn't need to happen. Like when you watch, again, we keep referring to these, this old golden era and all this stuff, the attitude era, like, not every promo was that long. There were some for the people that could talk. So it it didn't always feel like it overstayed its welcome. But if those guys that were 
that were a little bit tougher on the mic. Hey, even Bret Hart, we love him, but a lot of times they kept his promos short because he wasn't the best on the mic. And that that accentuated his strengths and it hid the negatives. That's exactly what you should be doing to get your superstars over. And I think that that could benefit Rollins. You know, he had a really great heel run right after he broke out of the Shield. And then he got injured. And then ever since then, he has never been able to really capture that mojo that he had. I felt like that was the most natural Seth Rollins you saw at that point. And that was 2014. Yeah, but, but why, though, Mike? He had someone there with him. He had yeah. Triple no, H right. as, the, like uh, as the kind of the mouthpiece for him, really, you know? So. And, that's, and so if it works, work I it. Know. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned uh, maybe having somebody uh, like a new person come in to be his manager. Uh, other than Paul Heyman, are there any other managers in WWE currently? No, they need to bring them back. That's the thing. They need people in, in NXT, like growing them. Like, look at how Paul Bearer became a manager. Like, yeah. they knew. They just knew. They had those instincts. And that this is what I miss about having the territories is that – Everyone is so different and has different styles and you can pick the ones that are doing it so well. And now it's just like this factory of we're going to make a wrestler and they don't trust them. That's really right. what it comes yeah. down to the way I see it is yeah. they don't trust them to be able to go out there and pull a promo. They don't trust them to be able to elicit emotion from people without it being scripted from 17 different writers. Right. It, and and that's that's the real shame in all this is they aren't actually given the trust to even fail, even to go out there and cut a shitty promo. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about all these guys that were great on the mic. If we really are honest, there's plenty of times that like even Rock walked out there and he and he like laid an egg like it's going to happen sometimes. Yep. It ha- it's like it happens to the best of them. That's how you learn. Yeah, but nothing feels like it wants to draw me in like. The fiend. It's like I'll think about Raw now because he's on Raw, and I'll be like, "Oh, that one, th- that one segment kind of draws me in a little bit." I'm not saying it's it's amazing, but it, like, I actually like look forward to it because I'm like, "Oh, this is good." But then I think about the other shows. I'm like, "What am I? You're gonna hear? What am I gonna see? Braun Strowman just come in and mash a guy? Like he can't speak on the mic. He, there's nothing he's really doing that's compelling at the moment. He's a big guy. He's athletic, and they could take advantage of that. But again, it's like they're they're not using it, and it's just the same shit." over and over again mm-hmm. that drives me bananas so anyways this is far off our segment let's continue with well the, continue uh, with, oh, can, i actually want to jump in for just a second because you guys were talking about the managers right and the need to have a manager well it's really tough to to bring in managers when currently you have managers writing the creative you have um bruce pritchard which is somebody fill me in buddy love no. Brother love. Brother, Brother love. love. <laughs> <laughs> That's an all-timer. <laughs> so, so red face, brother love, you're trying to write as if you're managing for these guys and let them be the mouthpieces and you're trying to train them to talk for their own. But some guys are just better in the ring. You can't, to, to pull to your points, you can't just have one or two managers. And what I don't like is that the managers primarily now are female managers. Not to say that female managers are not efficient, uh, but how many times have you seen managers with different props? Mr. Fuji throwing sand in the eye. You got... Um, Cornette with the tennis racket. Tor- yeah. yeah, exactly. I never understood. Was he a tennis pro or something? I don't know. I have okay, no idea. sorry. We, we, we or what was it, Jacques and uh, the other knucklehead with uh, um, with canes and stuff like that? I ba- basically, 
your managers had props, you know, uh, Paul Bearer with the urn. They actually mm-hmm. took that and actually made it another component to the Undertaker. And if you look at that structure and that bodywork, you've got a full picture of not only the wrestler, but the show that they were going to bring with that that play of the manager and the wrestler and how they can change the dynamic in the ring at any moment. How many times did Mr. Perfect give Ric Flair, you know, brass knuckles, right? Your chain are Orndorff. Orndorff did it as well. Paul Orndorff. Uh, yep. you know, I, I mean, like how he, many times did you get him. how many times you get brass knuckles or something like that into the ring and then they stuffed it back down the pants? Like there were different elements that I'm not saying we want to go back because that is those are things that are that they're trying to move away from. But if you could bridge it, that's really where where I'm going with it. Right. Well, to your point, guess what? They just fired a really good female manager in Zelina Vega. So they just shot themselves in the foot. I think MVP is doing a pretty good job too. Like yeah, on, uh, you know, it's great. a perfect example of someone who can speak, but isn't the greatest in ring guy, you know, just make him speak full time, you know, make him build his job should be to build the guys he's with. And I think he's done decent with Bobby Lashley and, um, yep. uh, is it Leo Rush? Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander. I'm sorry. Anyways, I, I know where he spent a lot yeah. of time on that. Let's move forward to the next one. Rabbit yeah. hole. I know, I know. I think later another episode we can do a real good deep dive into into. I think we may have an episode already about managers. Uh, I can't remember because I'm hungover. Okay, listen. Some uh, Mikey Cash is going to do his best rock impersonation here and talk about compelling. This might actually be a compelling storyline for the future. I think we kind of mentioned a couple weeks ago. This question relates to the Usos and Roman Reigns. So, Mister Rock. How do you feel about the family bloodline and uh, feud with Roman Reigns and the, the Usos? Well, first off, Mango, The Rock should slap you in the face for asking such a stupid question because The Rock will tell you exactly how he feels about Roman Reigns and his little bloodline feud with the Usos. So Roman Reigns has taken it upon himself to say that he's a tribal chief, puts himself at the head of the table, saying, oh, you're going to put the food on my table. You're going to take food from my family if you don't come out and hit this jabroni with a chair. Well, The Rock says, screw all that because Roman Reigns is walking around with that big fat walrus, Paul Heyman, as his special counselor. Well, The Rock has got a little counseling session for you. So The Rock says this. The Rock says, you call yourself the tribal chief, but The Rock says, you are nothing but a big fish in a little pond. But when you look at The Rock, when you look at the people's champ, he's a whale in a teardrop. So The Rock says, Roman Reigns, you want to run your mouth about being the tribal chief? Well, be very careful, my friend, because The Rock is listening. Tick-tock, your time as tribal chief is coming to an end. And an ass-kicking of a lifetime is coming if you smell what the rock is cooking. Uh, well done. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. That's it. I'm out. Yeah. I, should, I don't I even should know. Just let's, let's, and just yeah. leave. <laughs> yeah. That was you know, absolute gold. Hey, can you give <laughs> tips? Can you go on and be uh, in the performance center? I mean, that was pretty damn good. I I actually forgot we were doing this, so this is all on the spot. <laughs> well, that off the top of your head? Yeah, I totally forgot we were doing this. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, that's, a, that's yeah, an all-time. I don't know that we need to talk more about it. I think you covered it all right there. <laughs> <laughs> you knocked that one out the park. Okay, we, who's doing the third one? Uh, Vito. Okay, Vito. That was freaking awesome, uh, Mike. Okay, so this is a question for Tony Khan. With just over a year of operating your company, how are you feeling about your position? against wwe what do you think the future looks like at aew well i think the uh the future is bright here at aew 
Um, I also think the future is bright for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're both building here. We're both building on some solid momentum. Uh, but the, the big thing here is um, that I really like wrestling. Uh, I'm a big fan of wrestling. I really like it. And uh, I, I think we could do more. We're going to add more time uh, to the show. I think it'll be great. Um, I think we're going to sign Jericho to a 40 year contract. So when he's in a wheelchair, he'll still be here wrestling. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, uh, we already have half as many viewers as raw has on our, um, on our Wednesday night show. So we're going to open it up to another hour episode. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll bring back, you know, we brought back Jr. We got uh, Tony um, uh, yeah, back. We got Taz. Uh, we got all the old guys back. So I think we're going to go and we're going to dig up uh, Classy Freddy Blassie and he'll be on the next episode. Um, and it'll be good. It'll be good. You know, we'll bring back all the nostalgia. But uh, I'm proud of what they're doing and uh, excited to uh, looking forward to the future here. Uh, let me give you a little follow up there, Tony. Let me ask you a question. In sure, your Mega. eyes, and you can also open this up to uh, Tony Khan's assistant, Mikey Cash and his other assistant, uh, Bobby Stone. Who who do you see as the next AEW world champion? The next flag bearer? Kenny Omega. It's got to be him. With what he's been doing lately, that guy is going to be money as as like a heel world champion. And I think I think it could be like a callback to some like territory days when you had like this monster heel and just like a bunch of faces kind of lining up to try to like take him off the pedestal. And it's much more compelling for like a a babyface to be chasing the title than it is for him to just kind of be on top, like running through people. I agree. I, uh, I think Ken Omega could be one. I also um, think uh, Darby Allen could be another one. Um, and uh, who's the other guy? Oh, Goldberg. Cause I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to outpay him. <laughs> God, Tony, if you bring in Goldberg, you're getting, I'm canceled. not going to watch it. I, I'm going to turn it off. You're getting guys, I've been a fan of him since the streak. <laughs> Oh, Tony, Tony, come on. Okay, let me, let me, just one more follow up question on AEW. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to be Tony Khan, but do you think, do you, what, what do you think of the odds that AEW will ever catch up to WWE in terms of like ratings, in terms of, uh, you know, just, I don't know, quality? I mean, will AEW ever really? be a serious serious competition for wwe it's only a matter of time in my opinion uh the you one thing that? they have to the one thing they have to overcome the uh just the the giant aura that surrounds wwe i think not having these live events has been um very hurtful to wwe because the big thing is they have they put on a pretty good show they've been doing it for years you know what i mean i haven't been to an aew show but they can go anywhere they want and they have the ability to they have those relationships that they've already built they have the corporate sponsorships that they've built um and they're just this big powerhouse and that's something they have to overcome but i think they are doing it the right way and it's very organic like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel pushed. I don't want them to come on too strong. I do agree the one hour episode might be too much, but I wouldn't hate it if they put that one hour episode on Monday night at eight o'clock. Like I would not hate it because it would be like, okay, now there's two things here. We get to see some of these characters that AEW has built go up against WWE's characters they built. Which ones do you want to watch? Um, I mean, it's already at the point where, you know, NXT for us is one of our most popular shows. We like it the most. And I, I agree. But it's almost like put. If you can't tell, we just cut Vito off there because we're just so sick of hearing him talk. So, Vito, 
I'll, I'll jump on the point that you were talking about and, and add a little something to it, just, just a little different in opinion. I would say that I think AEW could catch up with them and be like viable competition, but I also don't think they have to be. I think part of part of their their allure is that they can be different. And so they can kind of be their own thing and kind of gain notoriety and an audience in that way. But I don't know if they necessarily have to become WWE 2.0 or they have to become the next coming of WCW. Oh, I agree. I agree there. But my thing is, I think wrestling is losing fans in general, not just agree. Uh, Raw and, and AEW wrestlers. But the thing that I think excited wrestling fans the most back in the day was having those two choices kind of going at each other. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was perfect. It's what did it. And um, that's that's where I think they can gain these audiences back. Actually, Kenny Omega said the other day in an interview that he would welcome the opportunity to cross brand with with wwe meaning share the talent share the talent and it'll never happen because basically wwe is would be giving them validity and they'd never want to do that um but god uh, God forbid they live up to i know and a contractor is i know i know but he also said he also said he's like you know that would bring the wrestling fan back and that this is what it's all about is the wrestling fan and i agree i agree i want to get back to the days where everyone talks about it so anyways that, that was that i know we're we're on short time we got another topic to talk about so that was awesome okay all right so we, we've talked a little bit we've done some role play here we've we've done some looking back on the history of wrestling so far this week now let's talk about some current stuff uh this past week was survivor series week uh it was 30 years of the undertaker and uh i think mikey cash has some thoughts on survivor series i do i wasn't really a big fan of survivor series in general i didn't feel like it was one of their better shows uh, unfortunately I, I kind of felt like besides The Undertaker Farewell, which was obviously like their big selling point for it, it was a one-match show the way I saw it. And, and it was Asuka and Sasha Banks. I think that's the only one that had any sort of build, any sort of like history between the two of them and, and how they executed it. I thought it was a great match. Obviously, I'm biased towards Sasha Banks, but I'm glad that she won. I think coming off of her rivalry with Bailey and coming away with the title, she needed kind of a big win. To, to sort of solidify it and, and act as even more of a jumping off point as she begins her title reign, wherever that goes. Um, obviously, Drew, uh, uh, Drew McIntyre or Drew McInfart, as some people might call him, uh, and Roman Reigns, they had a really good match. It, but it's like, I just couldn't find myself investing in it. Like, And I think it's really not about Reigns or McIntyre. It's actually about the way they build Survivor Series now, which is this whole like SmackDown versus Raw or SmackDown Raw and NXT for one year. It, I don't really, it doesn't make any sense to do this like brand fighting because one, the draft was like less than a month ago. So everyone who's on their current shows isn't even like fully established yet or settled in so that they can even have some sort of loyalty to their brand. Like, like I'm surprised there weren't more defections at Survivor Series because everyone is switching shows. So uh, I feel like they can maybe move away from that and just it doesn't need to be SmackDown versus Raw anymore. Like we don't need to do that. No, I I agree with you, Mike, on all everything you said. Which I know that doesn't happen all the time, but it uh, this is the 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 Banks Oscar match was definitely the best, and the second notable one was probably Reigns and and Mac and and, and McIntyre, mostly because Reigns has kind of turned it up a notch and has kind of been a little bit of must see, and McIntyre has got this. I don't know. I, I like him. He's like a big guy, and it, I just don't want him to get over pushed, and then I get sick of him because I like. 
I like him. Um, but I, it wasn't a fantastic match. It was okay. Uh, it had good storytelling in it, which I liked. Um, but uh, overall, I thought the Survivor Series was terrible. And to your point, the the thing that I liked about it as a kid, and they should just bring it back, is it was teams that had leaders, and it was they all had names. And like, it was, it was cool. Like it, it wasn't just this raw versus SmackDown. And then the other thing is like, I don't know if you saw the, the, the women's one, but Lana won it and it was a terrible match. Yeah. Like it was just terrible. And why is she winning it? Like, I can tell you what's going to happen. They're using this to push her agenda and it's going to be, she, she now all she's going to talk about is I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Guarantee you yeah. that's going to be her whole thing going forward. Well, so. They planned it beforehand because they released a chronicle with Lana about her like feeling depressed and like some of her mental health stuff. So like they were already trying to elicit some empathy from the fans because typically, I, I mean, I don't know if you see like her Twitter or her Instagram, like some, I mean, some wrestling fans yeah. are fucking awful. Like, I know. So, I mean, so, I mean, I give her credit, like some of that stuff is pretty legit, but at the same time, like they're also not doing her any favors by doing it this way. Like, no, I, gonna, I feel like they they're meaning well, but it's not. It's like you said, it's not organic, and it's gonna blow up in their faces like ninety five percent of what they do. But yeah, no, I I, I give it uh, I give it a solid D minus. I mean, if it, I honestly wouldn't even have turned it on if it wasn't for the Undertaker's farewell, which I think we should get right into because of time's sake here. And we're talking about Survivor Series. There's really not much more to talk about it, no. but um, hang on, Vito. Yeah. Yeah. Before really, really quick. I just have a question for you guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Series. And then we'll move on. To, we'll move on to Undertaker. Let me ask you, did you guys catch that McIntyre won the title back from Randy Orton like six days before? Yeah, I think it was yep. on Raw. Yeah, that's which a good is kind of notable. Very notable championship title switch on Raw that never happens anymore. Yeah. Uh, number one, there's, there was no build up for anything. Uh, and think about this. Let me ask you. I, I guess I don't know if I have a question really. Maybe just a statement uh, that back in the day uh, when you mentioned uh, teams would go up against each other, there would be kind of random guys thrown together. But the overarching thing was they were moving a, a storylines forward. They would have it would be Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, it would, you know, but he had mm-hmm. friends with them. You know, that's what right. Right. With, nowadays, they don't have any storylines or, or they just pause everything. And they're like, we're on the we're the raw team. And you're the that just sucks. Yeah. And yep. Uh, and I agree with you. D uh, solid D. So uh, not double D's, but <laughs> one D. One D. Double D would be too much credit for these bastards. OK. Moving forward, yeah, let's talk about The Undertaker. What'd you guys think? His farewell, 30 years of The Undertaker. Actually, I didn't realize he debuted in 1990 mm-hmm. at Survivor Series, and that's what this big connection is, along yeah. with being the dead part. So, yeah, so what'd you guys think? It, I, I think I think they tried really hard to make this feel significant, and I think in many ways it was. And I mean, it, it's, a significant, it's a significant event regardless of how they executed it. But with that said, their execution was not something I cared for. I thought, if you're going to have all those guys come out to the ring, why didn't they just stay on the outside of the ring while he was there? And maybe he felt like he could talk to his peers while he was kind of giving this promo. And then at least there is, you know, we talk about organic a lot. And that's another thing that would have felt a little organic is like, have these guys kind of be out there and maybe like clapping a little bit when he's saying things. You could, you could have had something with that. And it's like, otherwise, you're also wasting Kane coming out full kayfabe there to <laughs> he comes out and then he's gone 
that's it. So uh, here's my take on this. Um, to me, like before I get into like my analysis of it, uh, this uh, was must watch for me because he was like the last guy that was still wrestling that reminded me of the good old wrestling days. I mean, yeah, you got Jericho still wrestling and everything, but Taker's just been doing it for so long. I mean, he wrestled Hogan. He was wrestled the best. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that drives me crazy about this 30 years of The Undertaker, though, for the last 10, we saw him once a year. (laughs) So, like, is it really 30 years of The Undertaker? I mean, listen, yeah, it definitely is. But um, I I did this justice because I wanted to watch all of the documentaries they had on the network for him. And I learned a lot of stuff. I I really did. I I know I've talked about the Paul Bear documentary, the Brothers of Destruction one, and and then the Austin interview. But the cool thing is what makes him so special and these interviews so interesting is that he never talked when he was in WWE. Like he never taught. He was always in character. And now he's finally coming out and saying these things. So they have so much more substance to them. So um, I, I mean, the big thing with him, I thought the segment was about as good as it possibly could be for, for what we had going. Um, I loved the theatrics behind it, but I mean, there's no fans. You can imagine how an emotional send off with no fans is going to sound right. And like, that can't be really emotional to you. Um, but really because they had that, they should have done some sort of cinematic with him too, where like he goes and lays in a grave or something to, to, to kill that character off right. the way that it should be killed. Like, mm-hmm. and they just didn't do it. They just said, see you later for the 30th time. And, and um, uh, two things to note though, uh, real quick, Bobby, you talked about Paul Bear and the urn. So apparently the urn only came about because Paul Bear, when he was a, um, when he was a, a manager, always had something in his hand. He had a cane or something. So when he decided to manage the undertaker, they didn't have anything. So he's like, Oh, an urn would be perfect. And then it took on this storyline. They used it to their advantage. And in listening to Taker talk, when he talks with Austin and he talks with everyone, he does such a good job of taking his character and building upon it like it's real. And he's the one that does it. They don't force feed you anything. They just try things. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. Yep. It was natural. It continues to come back to to being organic. And that's why The Undertaker, oddly enough, a character like that worked. It's because of the way they approached it. Am I on mute? Unfortunately, no. Okay. So whether you watched him 10, 20, 30 years ago, he was, uh, he always brought something special to the table, whether he was, uh, you know, that evolution of the taker. Um, I'll be honest with you, zero interest in, um, in Survivor Series this year, other than the Undertaker farewell. Um, and I got a little misty um, as he's walking down the aisle you know, taking his sweet ass time. Uh, I know we were we were joking around on Twitter, uh, talking that the vaccine was going to come out before he got to the ring. But you know, it was all for all for the right reasons. That's that last man's stroll after giving the system, the organization, the culture, every last bit of energy you ever put into something. That was his last walk. So. To me, that was also the last time I got to see my childhood. Because now, you know, as uh, you just you get that feeling where that was the last bit of your childhood going down the ring as well. Um, I mean, that's where I started. I love The Undertaker. Um, but let me just dive in on my analysis, man, because it, it was I thought I'm going to boys bear with me a little bit of analogy. You know, I hate them, but 
This is my new construction theory, all right? Where did it start? What are you making? Where, well, I'm making a house, right? So new construction house, what do you got to build it on? A solid foundation. The technical, the pyro, all, all of those behind the scenes teams, the production team just gets an absolute A plus for the graphics, the music. I would agree there. The pyro. And the synthesized lightning bolts. Very cool. Doing uh doing Undertaker's um doing Undertaker's music. Like at first I thought it was just music, and then I realized, oh shit, they just broke out synthesized lightning bolts to yeah, do it his music. Like, it sounded like retro 64-bit um Yeah, like uh, I thought on, something yeah. was wrong with my audio for a second, and then I was like, no, they're doing something really dope right now. But the next thing you put up on a house is the framework, right? Creative attempted to give what looked to be a genuine send-off, but the problem is, like what you boys were saying, there's no crowd, which is obviously going to be tough, but what they did do was take some of his WrestleMania thank you, taker, um, you know, send-offs, um, as we thought those should have been many a times in which he should have retired at that point, was on the greatest stage of them all. It was too much. Like, they kept trying to, like, make you feel as if they were there. No, he, he wasn't. That, that's just let him kind of do his thing. Because they were so constant with it, I, I was just like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta chill with it. And so it didn't take, uh, especially after he was reacting with it. Second to last point, drywall on plastering. The parade at the beginning was absolutely terrible. I get it. It's a funeral. You're burying the character. You want to call him ushers. Go right ahead. But maybe, like, do it symbolically instead of having everybody's music playing. Like, get a casket involved. Get get a hearse involved. Like, make yeah. this fucking big. You yeah. didn't. You, you whiffed. Oh, it pissed me off, man. I feel like they, they really... They, you have so much sim- symbolism with The Undertaker that they really could have driven it home. And one of the characters in particular that I really wish they uh, they did something a little bit extra with was actually The Godfather. A, it would have been cool if he came out with a hoe train because that just would have been fantastic. But truthfully, The Godfather was also Papa Shango. If they brought back Papa Shango just for one more, uh, just for one more... One more Honest with you, Bobby, I saw a picture of them coming to the airport and they were all drinking beers at like nine in the morning. So I bet you they were all pretty wasted. <laughs> <laughs> um, last point, guys, to any house, you got a roof and they didn't even have a roof to pop off. I think this could have been done better, but hopefully they hear what the uh, the crowd's reaction is and maybe we get one more send off with an actual crowd but i don't think Uh, we're gonna see it i don't so so here's what i think real quick i think we should do we talked about this before about how we're gonna do an episode with bret hart on bret hart we should do an episode on the undertaker i mean i think we should do one like undertaker analyze it because we could literally i could sit here all day and tell some good stuff about him and some bad stuff so i think we should 100 do that i would love to do an Undertaker episode yeah i think that'd be great yeah Next week, it's ha- two weeks from now, it's happening. Yeah, we should do it because I mean, if he's retiring, it's good. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We could we could do a couple. We could do a couple of wrestlers if we wanted to. Great. Cool. Well, thanks for building that house, Bobby. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty shoddy construction from the way you're yeah. describing it, but no, very well. Shoddy. It's, it's WWE construction, so obviously it's going to be shoddy. Yeah, they use the cheap shit. <laughs> Did you guys hear that uh, Vince was uh, Vince basically booked the whole thing? He was like no. really, really involved. It, oh, 
I, I, that was like, mis- obviously Captain Obvious. <laughs> Apparently, he was even more involved in this. And it made sense because nothing made sense. Yeah. Right. And he sounded like he had just chain smoked. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he did name drop WWF, though. That's the only interesting part of that. Like, he just didn't give a fuck. He's like, eh, WWF. He gave a solid, like, introduction for The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. Was, like, the Undertaker. What they didn't show you was Vince just promptly passed out. Again, while he was announcing that. I hate to crap on old people, but I mean, I'm not really crapping on old people in general, but no, Vince looks just awful. looks terrible. He oh. looked awful. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Well, doesn't Talk he about... sleep or something? Like, re- remember one of those documentaries about him? He's like, I, I don't sleep, pal. I'm like, yeah. that doesn't make you cool. That makes you a fucking idiot. Go to yeah. sleep. <laughs> yeah. He's, age- he's aging like a banana peel. Yeah. So, what? Oh, that, that's awesome. Okay. So, we're running low on time here. All right. Uh, we're going to, I guess we'll go with our, our uh, closing thoughts. Uh, who wants to lead us off? Uh, well, I'm going to my closing thought is actually going to be uh, just a little bit of a reading excerpt from the WWF uh, wrestling official book that was out in 1992. Uh, just to let you know, th- according to them, this is packed with exclusive information and amazing action photos. WWF wrestling, the official book will be a must for WrestleManiacs everywhere. Brace yourself, fight fans. This book will knock you off your boots. Love it. So, <laughs> so they have little character bios for every superstar in here. So okay. real quick, we're going to do three of them. Okay. And it has like their weight, where they're from, their birthday, uh, their finishing uh, hold. But I'm not going to read those because those are too obvious. Okay. Uh, trademark, favorite quote, and goal. So I'm going to read like two of those and see okay. if you can guess it. So this person, this first one, his birthday is May 30th. He's from Stone Mountain, Georgia. His trademark is deceit. His his goal is to be worse than the devil. Who is he? Gangrel. Mm. 1992. Keep going. Oh. Kevin uh, Kevin Sullivan. Nope. Papa Shango? Close, Bobby. <laughs> Kamala? Worse than the devil? Well, he wants to be worse than the devil. And his trademark is deceit. The Undertaker? Maybe I'll read you his favorite quote, and this will okay. basically be right. like <laughs> give us another one. Point clue another here. One. Okay, you just phoned a friend. His <laughs> his favorite quote is "Never trust a snake." Uh-huh. Jake the Snake Roberts. Did you ever that think Jake the Snake's goal was going to be yeah. to be worse than the devil? Yeah, actually, it makes sense when you when you when you know who it is. Now. Yeah. All right, give us another. All right, so uh, this next superstar weighs in at two hundred and forty-five pounds. He's from Sarasota, Florida. Uh, his birthday just passed, actually, November 15th. His trademark is total intensity, wild clothes. And his goal is to be a happily married man forever. Macho man. Yeah, actually. That was, yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Mango yeah. coming in hot. Considering the tragedy in Macho Man's life to be a happily married man forever. That, that's kind of the giveaway, right? You're yep. like, yeah, he just wanted that and he never got it. Damn it. I know. I know. All right. Hold on. I'm going to, all right. I'm going to read one more. Uh, this person, uh, their birthday is August 11th and their trademark is an unflinching adherence to his values. Can you hear the eye roll? Uh, and his goal is to be remembered as a man who stood by his principles. Who Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry. What? 
Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all- Say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Stood by his principles. Wow. What an absolute piece of dog shit that guy <laughs> yeah, is. Right? <laughs> a lot changed from 1992 on. <laughs> I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Did they play that during his porn? (laughs) (laughs) Boys, that actually leads into a great segue uh, because Chris Helmsworth at age 36 is now going to be playing in the role of Hulk Hogan, who's age 66, uh, in a Netflix biopic. Um, And Hogan actually made a little little rib at uh, Helmsworth. He's already there. He's ready, brother. But he's good looking enough to, but he's still not good enough to play me. Dude, Helmsworth, if you thought he was jacked as Thor, right? Looks monstrous right now. He's going after those 24 inch pythons. I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, but most importantly, uh, I think what's going to be really interesting is that this is going to be a wrestling story that uh, the fans want to hear about what was it really like as the immortal right so i'm very curious to see if they touch on steroid use how chaotic the life was on the road so helmsworth says this uh will be a look into wrestling the likes of which no one has ever seen so i'm really stoked to check out the movie once netflix does it um yeah so yeah, i'm curious be on to the see lookout how helmsworth does I'm curious to see how Helmsworth does here. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, it's just cool to see these types of things happening. Cause I, I mean, you looked at like, um, what's the queen documentary movie they did. And, and um, the, uh, there was another one on Netflix too, called the dirt. I forget who, who that Motley crew. Yep. Like I, this would be cool if they do this with some wrestlers, it'll be really cool. And boys. So one thing we didn't talk about was actually the uh, stock watch today. I don't think it's ever going to get down to $35, and that's the magical number we were talking about. It's at uh, $42 right now, So, and just a couple weeks ago, we dropped down, and I mean, these things are crazy. I'm, I don't know if we're ever going to see 35 I don't know if anybody gives a shit, but I'm going to keep telling you about it. <laughs> um, Love it. Lastly, guys, uh, I want to give a shout-out off to some new listeners. We've picked up listeners in Austria, Germany, Russia. Uh, and we have a grown fan base in the States. So for all of our new listeners, welcome and keep telling your friends about us. And, and just um, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast in whichever platform you're listening to. Uh, we love to bring it to you and we're having a blast doing it. So we love all the uh, all the fanship right now. So so I want to give them a quick shout out. Awesome. And that actually is good to lead into my final thoughts here. It'll be real quick. Um, we've been, we've been trying to tweet out a lot in the, the Twitter machine was working well, but we expanded onto uh TikTok as Matt Mango had mentioned earlier. So please check us out on there. Uh, Shout out to the wrestling community on Twitter. Um, Got to tell you, a bunch of nice people out there. Yeah. And uh, we're looking to gaining some more of those followers. I'm sure a lot of them have seen our podcast now. And just a big shout out. You know, please tweet at us if you um, 
if you have any thoughts or you want to uh, recommendations on episodes or quite frankly, if you just think we suck, that's fine too. I w- will take some heat on the, uh, on the Twitter machine too. That's fine. But we're going to try and update Twitter and TikTok a little bit more often with some sound clips and maybe even talk about some of the stuff we had on our, um, on our uh, shows each time. So we'll have a little brief clips since we're doing every two weeks. So that was it for me. Awesome. Great guys. All right. It's been a great one hour with you folks. Please join us on Twitter and TikTok. And don't forget, most importantly, to spay and neuter your pets. We now return your perception of reality to you. Until next time.